بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم لا حول ولا قوت الا بالله العلی العظیم الحمد لله رب العالمین وصلى الله على سيدنا ونبينا ابي القاسم المصطفى محمد اللهم صل على محمد وعلى محمد وآله الطيبين الطاهرين لا سيما بقيه الله كل الذين اجل الله تعالى فرجه الشريف we continue our discussions uh, on divine justice based on the book divine justice by ayatollah mutahhari and now we are discussing the ninth section of the book which is about the good actions of non-muslims are they going to be accepted and rewarded by God or not? So this is a very important discussion. This can be discussed in two levels. One is about good actions of non-Muslims. If you say they are accepted then a question arises then what is the need for Islam? If you say they are not accepted, then the question then what is the justice of God? Okay? The same question can be brought to another level instead of Muslim non Muslim about Shia and non Shia among Muslim Ummah. If a non Shia Muslim does something, is it accepted or not? If it is accepted, then they may say, if it is accepted, then what about the need for Velaya, for you know, Imama? Mm. If you say it's not accepted, then again, it's a matter of justice. Ayatollah Mutahari says, in the past, if you go 50 years, for example, ago, uh, when he wrote this book, which is 40, 50 years ago, <laughs> so if you go 100 years ago, uh, this question was not very public. This was a question that Muslim philosophers had addressed in philosophical books. For example, he says in the philosophical books, you had this idea that because in the world, the main principle is good, not bad, khayl, not shah. And also because we know in philosophy that al-qasro la yakunu abadiyan aw da'imiyan. This is one of the discussion in the uh, discussion about haraka, movement in philosophy. You know, we have two types of haraka. One is natural, <coughs> one is qasri. Qaf and sin means against the nature. For example, when something comes like an apple drops, coming towards the ground is natural. But going towards the sky is not natural. It's a ghasri. Ghasri means intervention. If you want to send something up, 
it's in need of intervention. But coming down, it's coming automatically. So if you have an apple and leave it, <laughs> just leave it in the sky, it comes down. Okay? So, if it's going up against gravity, it's kasri. This type of haraka cannot be continuing forever or for most of the time. Kasr quickly finishes or takes a little time, finishes. Okay? This world is based on goodness and problems are not permanent or even for most of the parts. So if we say majority of people go to hell, especially knowing that human beings are the main creatures or at least one of the main creatures of God. This is not going to make sense. So philosophers had the idea that we should find a way to explain how goodness can be the main principle, how most of people can have felicity and happiness, how mercy of Allah precedes his anger. <coughs> Otherwise, these principles would not work. Anyway, Ayatollah Mutari says, these were discussions among philosophers, but nowadays they have become public discussions. And he says, uh, there was a <coughs> meeting of some societies, uh, like, you know, for example, doctors or university lecturers. He says, uh, once they asked people to write any question that they wanted to be discussed in those meetings, and then they gave him a notebook of all these questions. And he said one question that many, many people had asked was about this issue. That are good actions of non-Muslims accepted or not? Are they going to heaven or not? These type of things. So he says, therefore, this has become a very important question for everyone today. And we have to address it. Is Islam a condition for accepting good deeds or is Shia Islam a condition for accepting good deeds of Muslims? He says before we enter this discussion we need to clarify two points. First, we are not concerned with individuals. We don't want to say <clears throat> this particular person goes to hell or heaven. No one can judge except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if people ask us about any person, even for example, he says, Shaykh Ansari rahmatullah. If someone says, can you confirm that he's going to heaven? He says, we cannot say we confirm. We can say that to the best of our knowledge, he's very pious, very high uh, person in taqwa. But I cannot say, Wallah, he's going to heaven. Okay? It's not 
possible for us to judge or says, you know, someone goes to hell because he is sinning. We don't know. There are many things that are hidden to us. Yes, if there are people that in the Quran or in authentic Hadith, it is explained to us that what is the <coughs> destiny, that's another issue. For example, Quran says about Fir'aun, يَقْدُمُ قَوْمَهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ فَأَوْرَدَهُمُ النَّارِ Yeah? يَقْدُمُ قَوْمَهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ فَأَوْرَدَهُمُ النَّارِ Okay, based on this ayah, we can say, this is the situation of Fir'aun. Or if there is authentic hadith. Otherwise, by our own thinking and calculations, we cannot say, this person is going to hell or to heaven. Okay? This is very important point. He says that similar to this is about who is better than the other. Sometimes people say, which alam is nearer to God? For example, Muqaddasa Abdamili or Sayyid ibn Ta'wus. He says, we cannot judge. Or some people say, which children of Imam? was higher, Hazrat Abu al-Faz or Hazrat Ali Akbar. He says a few years ago, uh, of course, when he wrote the book, he says a few years ago, someone sent an inquiry to one of Maraja, mm -hmm. trying to understand whether Hazrat Abu al-Faz is higher or Hazrat Ali Akbar. <laughs> and to make it a fiqhi question, he said, if someone has made Nazr, has made a vow to, for example, slaughter a sheep and give it to the shrine of the highest Imam Zadeh, should he give it to the shrine of Hazrat Abu al-Fat or shrine of Hazrat Ali Okay? So he wanted to make it necessary for that faqih to answer. <laughs> Okay, so he says we cannot judge these things. We cannot say who is higher or who, you know, is nearer to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So nothing can be fixed by us about individuals. Of course, if it is in the Quran or authentic hadith, that's another issue. He mentions also a famous story of Uthman ibn Mavroon. When Osman ibn Mad'un died, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was very sad. He cried. It is said that Rasulullah cried. Even Rasulullah put himself on the body of Osman ibn Mad'un and kissed Osman ibn Mad'un. So a lady that with her husband hosted Osman ibn Mad'un in their home in Medina, said, Hani'an laka al-jannah. Hani'an laka al-jannah. She congratulated Osman ibn Mad'un for going to heaven. Rasulullah was not happy and said, how do you know? 
that he is going to heaven. She said, because she, he is a companion of you, and he was a mujahid. And also, you know, he saw how Rasulullah is sad, he's crying, Rasulullah is in his you know, funeral. Then Rasulullah said, Enni Rasulullah wa ma adri ma yufa'alu bi. <coughs> he quotes this from Ustul Ghaber, which is a book about the companions of the Prophet. So in the entry about Usman ibn Ma'un, <coughs> this is mentioned. Rasulullah said, I am the messenger of God and I don't know what's going to be done with me. Which is actually from the Quran, this idea. Because in Surah Ahqaf, verse 9, Allah said, قُلْ مَا كُنْتُ بِدْعًا مِنَ الرُّسُلِ وَمَا أَدْرِي مَا يُفْعَلُ بِي وَلَا بِكُمْ Tell them, I am not the first messenger. It's not that God had not sent any messengers. I'm the first messenger. So this is not something new. You shouldn't be surprised. And tell them, I don't know what's going to be done to me or to you. To you and to me. So, Rasulullah said to this lady that you should not be <coughs> saying, Salaam Alaikum, or thinking definitely Usman ibn Mazmun is going to heaven. Even I am not sure about myself. Another story is about Sa'd ibn Ma'ad. In that story, it's the mother of Sa'd. This lady was not the mother of Usman, was the lady that with her husband, they hosted Usman ibn in their home, okay? But in the story of Sa'd ibn Ma'ad, it was the mother of Sa'd that in the funeral again saw that Rasulullah was very sad and you know, the, you know the story of, you know, angels being there, all these things. So she said something similar about, you know, congratulating his, her son for going to heaven. Rasulullah said, La tahtami ala Allah. La tahtami ala Allah. Means, don't make a decisive judgment on behalf of God. It's my translation. La tahtami ala Allah. Don't make a decisive judgment on behalf of Allah. In other words, don't force Allah by your judgment. Now, in the footnote, Ayatollah Mutahari says, maybe you ask, and you actually ask, that is there any contradiction between this hadith and the ayah from Surah Ahqaf, ayah number 9, and some other verses of the Quran that we know that the Prophet had Maqam and Mahmud, for example, could do shafa'ah. The answer is Rasulullah as a person was not able to say what would be his destiny. Even Rasulullah was not sure about himself. If it was left to him. If it was no direct communication from Allah, 
if Allah did not clarify, had not clarified this for him, even Rasulullah was not sure what is going to happen to him. But through Wahy, Rasulullah was aware that he is going to do Shafa'ah. So you have to distinguish between two sides. Rasulullah as a person doesn't know what's going to happen to him. Doesn't think that he must go to heaven. But Rasulullah as a messenger that Allah has revealed to him that this is going to happen to you, he knows this. So there's no contradiction. It's like ayat about ghayb. He doesn't know the ghayb as a person. But on the other hand, Allah discloses the ghayb to him. Or he doesn't have shafa'ah of his own, but Allah gives him the right for shafa'ah. There is no contradiction. Okay, so these are two points that we wanted to make clear. This was actually one point, the second point. So one point was, this is not a matter of individual cases. We don't make any judgment about individual people unless we have something from Quran or authentic hadith about a person. Otherwise, even someone like Usman ibn Mav'un or like Sa'ad ibn Ma'ad or Shaykh Ansari, we don't make any judgment. Something that many times you know, comes to my mind, you know. You always envy some people. Yeah? There are some ulama, some great figures that you envy them. But can you say, oh Allah, please give their position to me? No. Not because you are proud of yourself, but because you don't know what's their position. <laughs> it's a gambling that to say, give their position to me. I know my problems, but I cannot, you know, it's not a matter of pride, you know, it's a matter of we have to leave everything in the hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do you understand? That's the safest time. <laughs> yes. The second point. This is very delicate issue. Ayatollah Mutahari says, the question whether good actions of non-Muslims or non-Shia are accepted or not is one question. Whether Islam is the religion which is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this time and age is another question. These are not necessarily the same. Basically, he says, and this is where you have to read carefully word by word. Inshallah, later, go and read word by word. I, I have to try to say everything, but uh, also you read it carefully. And I may also have sometimes a little difference of opinion with the way he explains. Okay, maybe you can articulate it a little bit differently. So those of you who are familiar with my ideas about religions, so you may know the way I normally articulate, but it's very close. He says, some people think that there can be more than one true religion at each time. For example, today, you can follow 
different religions or different different divine religions. He says, <coughs> we don't say this. We say it's not a matter of having option. For example, he refers to George Jordak, mm. who has a book on Imam Ali, or Jobran Khalil Jobran. These two were Christians, and they had books on Imam Ali. They were very impressed by Imam Ali, but they had the idea that they can have another religion and still successful. Uh, be successful. And still, uh, they thought that this is the, uh, also the position of Imam Ali. So, for example, you know, he says that George uh, uh, Jordach says, you know, this is what George Jordach says. He said, Imam Ali is not a person who would impose one religion, particular religion, on people. Okay? So, they say, you can have choice. So, he says, some people think maybe these people were not honest. He said, no, they were maybe honest. They really loved Imam Ali, but they had the idea that you can be a Muslim, you can be Christian, you can be a Jew, but still you can appreciate in what another holy person from another religion has done. Okay, so this is one view which says people have choice. Please listen very carefully. What does it mean they have choice? It means that, for example, a Muslim can say from today, I want to be a Christian. A Christian says, mm -hmm. I want to be a Muslim. Just as a choice. They are equal and you can shift from one to the other. This is what some people have thought. Okay? On the other hand, there are some people who say, no. There is only one way of being religious, and that is my, for example, religion, or even not my religion, my mazhab. Mm -hmm. If you are not a, for example, person from my mazhab, no benefit. Even your salat and not salat is the same. Or your salat and your sinful actions are the same, for example. Some people are... This mm. much, you know, rigid. Mm. These are the problem these days. Yes. <clears throat> so, he says, our idea is this. Mm. There is no compulsion in religion. <coughs> People are not forced. What? But, this doesn't mean that also logically, all the sides are equal. <coughs> In my explanation, Islamically, it's better not to interfere in people's choice about religion, even if they are going to make wrong decision or not the best decision. But this doesn't mean that these choices are equal and they have option. Do you understand? 
So we don't want to force, we don't want to impose. And indeed, as Allah says, religion is something that cannot be imposed because religion is to love. Yeah? How can you impose someone to love? To believe by heart. You cannot force people to believe in something by heart. So, there is no force, no compulsion, but it doesn't mean that all those different options or few of them are equal. And logically, you can follow any of them. So, it, yes, there is no compulsion, but at the same time, you can believe that there is one religion or one, for example, tradition, which is logically the one that is stronger and which is more pleasing to Allah and you have to find out. So you should submit yourself to that, not that someone else forces you. Okay? But also, we don't want to say that this is, for example, necessarily my choice or your choice. That's another issue. Which is the religion that is the most pleasing to Allah is another issue. But up to here, I think most of Muslims, most of Christians, most of Jews have this idea that there is one way of life, one tradition, which is most pleasing to God. Some may say it's the only one, or at least they say that it's the most pleasing. But these people who believe in the idea of pluralism or, you know, a version of unity of religion, one version of it, they say, no, these are different options. And they are more or less the same. Either exactly the same or the difference is not that much. So you can choose. For example, they may even say, <laughs> of course, they may not have actually said this, but maybe they have said this, I don't know. But uh, I think it's a logical implication that, for example, you are going to be few years in Middle East, become Muslim. Then you go a few years to a Christian country, become Christian. Then you go a few years to a Jewish country, become... Because they're all good. You know, you have choice. We don't want to say like this. At the same time, that we don't want to impose. And at the same time, that we don't want to say... All other religions are, you know, except mine, all are, you know, false, 100% false, they are bad, they are, you know, they have nothing to do with God, no. So it's very fine line here to find the right position is very difficult. So, Ayatollah Mutahari says, oh, there is no compulsion religion, but at the same time, we believe that in every age there is one religion, but mainly he talks about Sharia. You know, one of the things that uh, you have to be very careful, I think many times between Deen and Sharia, no clear distinction is made, and this causes problems. Mm. Deen and Sharia are not the same thing. Sharia is part of the deen. Sharia is the legal rulings and the code of law of the religion. 
Anyway, there is one religion with one particular, for example, Sharia, that is the one that in this age would be most pleasing to God. Then he says, some people say, Allah has said in the Quran, Surah Ali Imran, verse 85, Whoever accepts any religion other than Islam, it would not be accepted from him, and in uh, hereafter would be one of the losers. So he says, Ayatollah says, some people have said, this ayah shows that we should be submitting ourselves to God. Islam in a general sense, in a wider sense, and it can be for Muslims, for Christians who are submissive to God. Ayatollah Batali says, yes, Islam here is general. Islam, he says, yes, this Islam is general, means submission to God. It's Islam of Abraham. But how today I am submit to God? There is no kind of say, you know, options. Logically. I'm not talking practical options, I'm talking logical options. You have to do your best to find out what's the way which is ple most pleasing to God today. What is the way that God wants from you today? Okay? So, submission to God is the main thing. And submission to God in every age may require different things. But uh, I say in brackets, uh, here there is a very important point that submission is the main thing. And then how you act after submission is the second main thing. But the main thing is submission to God. And therefore, we later explain that if someone out of sincere submission thinks the second best or the third best religion is the one that God wants from him, again, he can be a person who has Islam. Okay? Inshallah, we'll talk about this later. So, after making these two points, now the question is, so first point, what's what? We don't judge about individuals unless Quran or authentic hadith talks about them. The second question was about, is there one religion or many religions, you know, pluralism and this type of things. After these two, we go to the main discussion. Can we have righteous deeds, good actions, which will be accepted and rewarded by God without faith? Or not? A question to think about it. You don't give me answer now. Okay. Just think about it. <coughs> A Muslim who is not submissive to God, mm -hmm. but just brought up, you know, a Muslim environment. So he's a Muslim, but not submissive to God. God says, don't do haram, he does. God says, do wajibat, he does, <laughs> doesn't do wajibat. A Muslim is not submissive to God, and there is a Christian who is submissive to God. Which one is nearer to God? What is important is, 
that whatever they have come to know, it is true, they accept it. Whatever they had access to discover, they have accepted. But maybe for them, it was not possible to discover <coughs> the prophethood or the imam. Because this is a question of Muslim, non-Muslims, question of Shia and non-Shia also. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a person who is very submissive to God, very truth-seeking person, but for some reason, he is not able to discover the truth. You know? Because there are lots of discussions here. For example, he even thought as a probability that maybe there is another way. Because, for example, he has been brought up in a certain way and he has seen all the good things about this, all the positive things. He has felt, you know, presence of God, you know, all these things. He has lots of good experiences. And on the other hand, he has no experience the other way. And maybe also sometimes he has seen some problems. So he's sure that this is what God wants from him. But if he really knows that God wants something else, he wouldn't mind. Okay? So there can be people in Islam or outside Islam who are submissive, but they have not been able to understand exactly all the truth. But they are truthful people. And they can be people who by just accident, it's not that every Muslim is a truth-seeking person or is a you know, Salman. There are some Muslims that by accident or just they were fortunate, they were lucky, that they were born into this. Or, but it's not that they are truth-seeking. If they were born into, for example, another religious community or atheist community, they would have become the same. So we cannot say every person from a certain tradition is necessarily living by all the standards of that tradition. And Allah in Al-Mizan Volume 1 also, he says that there can be some non-Muslims who are better than some Muslims regardless of Islamic Sharia being better. Even today, I think it's very clear, you know. We have today some so-called Muslims that even we don't want to be with them for a minute in a one room. You know, like these Daesh people. Can we say these are better than some non-Muslims who are good, pious, kind? So, the major question for us is this. Is good action, or if we are able to use amal saleh because this is a question. Can we say this is amal saleh or amal saleh is only for believers? Is good action or amal saleh of people who don't believe in Islam or don't believe in Shia Islam is accepted by God or not? And he mentions here again two opinions. He says some people say, for God, people are the same. 
God does not discriminate. He has equal relation to everyone. And good action is good action essentially, intrinsically. It's not by contract or choice. Yeah? For example, helping a needy person. It's good. No matter who is doing this. Feeding a hungry person is good. So, they say, because God has equal relation to all human beings, God does not discriminate. And second, good action is good action in its essence. Of course, in akhlaq we said, it has to be with good intention, but suppose these people also have good intention, genuinely want to help. So, they say, it must be accepted by God. We cannot say it's useless. This is one idea, that any person who does good action would be accepted. There are also people who say, Ayatollah Mutahari says, opposite to this, on the other extreme, that only a small fraction of people who have proper religion, proper madhab, you know, even, for example, proper way of doing faqiyat, they can go to heaven and their actions are accepted. And he says for them, most of people are not going to be accepted, their actions are not accepted, they are not going to be uh, having access to heaven, and this is the opposite. But he says there is a third approach which is the Quranic approach, which is the balanced approach. Okay? And the balanced approach is that a good action, which is, if you remember in Akhlaq, we had this discussion, which has husna fa'li and husna fa'li. Yeah? So the action itself is good, and at least the intention is you do this because it is good. This action would be valuable. Yeah, you cannot say it's useless. Even if the intention is not qast qurba, if it is not, for example, gaining reward. Just you do something good because you feel this is good. This is valid. But there can be different levels depending on what is your intention. Whether you have faith or not, whether you have ma'rifah or not, there can be lots of different ranks for good action. Uh, in Akhlaq we discuss this, and inshallah here also we will discuss this. So I stop here, and inshallah if you can manage to uh, do three has studied Ishmaqala so that we can go faster. So the question that we want to inshallah continue is is good action possible for those who don't have, don't have the proper faith? Is it possible that they have good action? Righteous action? Amal Saleh or not? Inshallah we continue.